Hello. We're doing this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we are. I think we're going to give it a shot. Because why not? I mean, people need help. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I know I need help. Oh, I most certainly need help most of the time. I mean, I don't know what to watch. It's too much. I don't know what to stream. I don't know what to do. It. Uh, yeah. Or even like to go out and see in a theater. Or rent from the local video DVD store if you have one. Right. Luckily, we do. But there's a plethora of stuff out there. Plethora. Good word. Yeah, there's just too much stuff. Thanks. There's a lot. I mean, there's too much to choose from. And while I appreciate shows made for teenagers or the young. Yeah, yeah. We're not there anymore. No. Though sometimes I feel like a teenager. Sometimes. Oh, well, you. But I, I look in the mirror and no, most definitely I'm not a teenager. Oh, good God. Do not do that, Anna, ever. Yeah, well, that's just smart. Thank you. I have my moments. <laughs> Welcome to an uncertain age. Because life is uncertain. It most certainly is. But we are going to hope to provide some guidance. Certainty, if you will? Certainty, yes, in these trying times. We are... Anna Nicholas and... Dale Basie. And I'm a filmmaker, theater maker, former actor, and just person around town. <laughs> I love that. That's your greatest role yet, <laughs> person around town. And I'm a writer, author, uh, musician, former film critic, I guess current film critic now because I'm criticizing You're film. You're back at it, babe. I am. Yeah, and both of us are of a certain age, and together we are the uncertain age duo. Da -dun. Daring to go where a few podcasters have gone before. Though we are uncertain about that. Now we are going to watch and review... Movies, TV shows, and other things that people of a certain age... Once again, that's us. ...might enjoy. We won't entirely eschew the young, but we'll see. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them either. Because we're uncertain about a lot of things. But not what we're doing here. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So if you like what we're doing here, please leave a review with suggestions for things you'd like us to watch, listen to, or read before you invest your valuable time. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And are you ready, folks? It begins. Uncertain. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Uncertain. I can't think about that today. I'll think about that tomorrow. Uncertain. You can't handle the truth. Uncertain. You know how to whistle, don't you? You just put your lips together and blow. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Uncertain. Do you feel lucky? That's all. Uncertain. Come on up and see me sometime. Oh. Well, I was sorry I was wearing my glasses last night because I got stuck behind a bunch of naked bike riders. I yeah. saw them a little too clearly. Yeah, really? Did you yeah. provide any sort of uh, like citizens uh, diagnoses or anything? Like no, I couldn't get near them. There were there were three large naked men blocking my blocking my access. Not that I really wanted any access to these naked bike riders. Right. But it took an hour and a half to drive ten minutes. Wow. Yeah, that's how many there were. How many were there? Do you think thousands? It was an international event. Thousands. So then, okay. So you saw like a thousand like 2,000 boobs, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of wobbly bits. Yeah. Lots of wobbly bits. I feel like I do not have a problem with that, um, mainly because I'm asleep before that would happen anyway. 7.30? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, I, then I like to do my puzzles. But um, yeah, with the naked thing, I guess the only thing is I cannot get past the seats, like having to be naked and sitting on a bike seat. Yes. 
I don't know if I'm going to have that kind of a relationship with my bike seat. Don't even have a scrotum and it hurts. Yeah, totally. Hmm. No, and I think in a pothole, just in the wrong place, it's like bye-bye prostate. Oh, God. Yeah. And there were some really looking, very hard, hard looking seats. I did notice the seats in my effort well, not to look. Well, there are seats, right? Yeah. I didn't want to look at the thing on the seat. So I was just looking at this seat. I just don't think there'd be enough sanitary wipes for me to be able to cleanse. No, I don't, I don't think so either. So are we going to talk about a movie? Yeah, right. We're going to um, talk about this, you know, our inaugural podcast. It seems sort of, you know, since I, I couldn't find Cocoon at my blockbuster. <laughs> so going with Grumpy Old Men, which seems like the the next go-to older person's movie, right? It's it's a classic, I believe. A favorite. It's a fan favorite, uh, released in 1993. Mm-hmm. And do you know that's like roughly, part of it was recorded at Paisley Park? Prince's Place. It's really testing the popping. Popping, popping. Uh, well, Paisley Park, right? Paisley Park. I did not know that. So it was all in Minneapolis, right? It's all around Minneapolis and Minnesota, right? There was sort of like a kind of undercurrent of like sensuality and a little bit. Little Red Corvette? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, why'd you pick this movie, Dale? Well, I picked it because... Well, it does seem like a classic, like when you think, when, you, when you're confronted with the concept of older people in cinema, I think it's a movie that will come up with pe- people's like top fives of, right? Like, oh, you know, like, again, I'm saying like Cocoon probably at the top and then Grumpy Old Men is probably second. And what I was realizing is it's, it's, there's a lot of movies like this where it's so part of the zeitgeist or other fancy German words that you're thinking, I have had to have seen this because I, I feel like I know it. But yeah. um, but upon watching it, I realized, oh, I have never watched this before. In case we have any younger listeners, what's the story, basically, without too many spoilers? Right. Well, the story, before everybody dies, the story is two GOMs, right? Grumpy old men who have known each other since they were 10 and have hated each other since they were 10. Um, I believe it because some issue with a, a young girl, but they are... For some reason, these two people, well, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, um, cannot stand each other. And yet somehow they live next door to each other. So it's kind of like their karma to be next to each other for their whole, for all of their somewhat miserable lives. But their little world, their little grumpy old world is shaken up like a souvenir snow globe when sexy Anne Margaret moves in across the street with her little many pixie dream crone whatever um energy comes in and sort of upsets everybody and teaches them all valuable lessons about what it means to be alive yes and what was her name ariel i think ariel because i kept because with the red hair and say yeah she was like the little mermaid before the little mermaid yeah long before the little mermaid but what what i love about this movie is that you can feel the love under all that Seeming bitterness. Exactly. Their animosity is there's there's a just love and respect. And it's just like you're getting a shoulder massage from an older friend that you didn't solicit. And it's okay. And the two of them are just fantastic. Yeah, it's a total it's a rom-com, but it's really their rom-com, right? It is. Yeah. yeah two guys. They're with Lemon and Matt Thau. 
but not in an NC-17 way. But no. yeah, so it's it's I was really it was a movie that I thought I had seen, but I had not seen. And I am glad I have seen again. 1993, when you turn it on, it's like, wow, I was just struck by how old movies in the 90s look to me now, like even older than movies in the 70s or 80s for some reason. There's just something about how 90s movies look. And it also uh, was very much reminiscent of a John Hughes movie just to me in terms of how everything was paced and how crisp everything was and how the sort of suburban scenes looked. It just had that feeling of like a, uh, you know, grumpy Home Alone. Um, but it, John Hughes, to the best yeah. of my had nothing to do with it, though Prince did apparently. And we we are like trying to develop these criteria to warn potential viewers. And one of these things we've come up with is, is, our, is our puck scale, which is possible upsetting criteria. And in this one, there really isn't. One, uh, the Jack Lemmon character is long divorced and the Walter Matthau character is long widowed. And so they are each other's lives. They both ice fish. Is it is reversed? Or is it reversed? For some reason, I feel like it's reversed. I'm an older person and I'm entitled to be able to reverse those things. One was divorced and one is widowed. Exactly. And sometimes when you're divorced, it feels like you're widowed, right? Uh, I would think. Yeah. But anyway, on the puck scale, uh, you know, no, unless you're unless your daughter is actively going through a bad relationship because Daryl Hannah plays... Jack Nick Jack uh, Lemon's daughter, and she has a very bad marriage to Chris McDonald, who is usually someone who has bad marriages in films, in my recollection. Oh, because she he has resting asshole face, and it is you know he's used that face all the way to the bank, right? Uh, all the way to the resting very asshole savings loan. Yeah, very effectively. And and these two older characters, Jack and Walter, uh, they are uh, believable. I would say in in the world of the comedy that it is. It's pretty broad comedy directed by Donald Petrie. A lot of zingers. Yeah, a lot of zingers, but you feel like they could be real people and sometimes older people. One of the things we want to do in this podcast is to try and help older viewers be able to identify, hopefully identify with some of the characters in films today and of old, that those characters are relatable to older people. They're not caricatures. Right. And to think about that and think about the relationships and if it if something rings authentic or not. Yeah. And the two guys are just they're just, you know, they're the odd couple. No, exactly. This is their movie. This could clearly have been just about Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau as as aging actors. And it still would have landed the same way. Totally. And um, what was the other one? Casting age correctness, the CAC scale. Oh, the CAC. Yeah. We can't forget about the CAC. Yeah. So did you feel that? Feel that it was uh, appropriate to the, the CAC. CAC. I feel the CAC. Yeah. Wait, what, do you want to just spell out what the CAC CAC is? The CAC, yeah, the CAC is casting age correctness. Correctness, yes. And I think this is um, probably one of the few examples where the CAC scale is very uh, in in the positive. Correct. Yeah. I think. Well, I think Jack Lemmon actually at one point in the movie when he was stating his age said he was sixty eight, and Jack Lemmon was indeed sixty eight. So he was method acting. All the way. I think Walter Matthau, who was 73 during the filming of this, I think he uh, lied a little bit. I think he drew down his age when he was mentioning it so that they were more peers, right? Because they had that 10-year-old. Yeah. Right. 10-year-old. Yeah. 
And if you're a woman who's just annoyed by always seeing the younger female love interest, you might be annoyed by the fact that Anne Margaret was only 52 in this. Only 52. And I I felt like right when she right when she came on, I was like, wow, finally, a somewhat age appropriate romance. Um, Until then, I looked up 52 and it's still a little unseemly. But for some reason, Anne Margaret seemed to play a little older for her. Still vivacious as ever. And and at that age, maybe it's it's okay instead of the twenty year old girl and the forty five year old guy, forty year old guy. This is a little more acceptable. Yeah, no, true, true, and especially since I think even though sex is mentioned as something that happens, it's not doesn't seem like it's the core reason for the relationship, right? Or anything that would be uh, violating the puck scale. Uh, no, as in exactly. Like I thought the, the scenes of penetration were handled very tastefully. <laughs> Off site in yeah. a back room, in right. another room. Um, another thing we want, the schmaltz factor, the schmaltz cheese cringe factor. What do you think there? Um, I was expecting it to be higher in terms of like, uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, right when it's starting out, when everyone's introduced, I thought, oh, it's going to be. Uh, cantankerous old men, like horny old men, which I think is one of the uh, original titles. Uh, but I thought it was going to be like that. And that would have been kind of cringy to me, like, uh. and Burgess Meredith, who plays Jack Lemon's father, because of course, yeah, he sort of occupied that role as far as being an older man who says things like, uh, I think he described, he had a lot of great singers about sex, like, oh, taking, yeah. taking old one eye to the optometrist. Um, and all sorts of zingers like that that kind of make you think, you know? If it was this movie, it might have had a higher cringe factor. But I think Jack Lemmon and Walter Matha really humanized it, and I think the cringe factor was fairly low. Cool. I I tend to agree, and I can't say the uh, kind of the denouement of the the film without giving it away, but that was handled so uncringily, you know? I thought it was... Oh, my dog is making noise. Please forgive. You should have put your dog down before this. I did that with my dogs because I didn't want them to interrupt this. So I'll get <laughs> Hail, I'm going to have to report you. I actually did almost break a window today because you, apparently oh. in Oregon, you're allowed to break a window if a dog is trapped inside a car. Oh, okay. Did you know that? So I'm looking around for something to break the window. And then the guy finally came out of his house. But wow. I was, I was this close. Did you have some words? What were you saying? Did you have like an umbrella or? No, I was looking around for a big rock because I was walking my dog at the time. Right. And I would not have known about this dog had it not jumped at the window to attack Rue. Right. But anyway. Want to use our real pets' names just to protect yeah. them? Okay. Rue has said it's okay. Okay. Um, and Rue is a diminutive for her actual name, which I won't reveal. Oh, okay. Okay for fear of anything else like that. So, um, yeah, so I thought the movie held up well. I found it charming and entertaining and, you know, not something you're going to think about like Oppenheimer uh, for a long time, but it was entertainment. It was nice entertainment. And it had just a collection, like even the cameos, like Buck Henry, who's just like, you know, whatever he's in, he elevates it, right? He's like Shracha's yeah. song. It's just, yeah. So even him in a very, you know, so everyone in it was like, was great. Everyone was good. I was wondering if Buck Henry got cut down a lot because he is, he's was wasted. Right. And there's a young Kevin Pollock, right? Great. He was great. 
And then we saw, of course, as we had mentioned, Daryl Hannah. I'm like, who else could have played this pivotal role of um, nondescript <laughs> daughter than Daryl Hannah, right? So she, clearly yes. she was writing the, the surf from Splash, right? Like, because I can't think of why she needed to be in this, but... Madison went right into becoming Melanie. Mm. Well, I think they did that on purpose so Daryl would remember the name. She would answer to it. Well, she already had the character built. Right, exactly. She just didn't have to grow a tail for this one. Totally. She was her humanoid version. We're from a bathtub. Now I'm just kind of piecing it together. Uncertain. And now a word from our sponsor. We live in a scary new world, Anna. Terrifying, hard to understand, where everyone is out to fleece and or bamboozle you. And the interweb makes it even easier for cyber scam artists to put on over on us unsuspecting seniors with all the pehishing and the mall wars. Hey, this podcast could even be a scam. How would we even know? With Scam-A-Lot, you always have a friend looking over your shoulder, day or night, but mostly night, telling you if that Nigerian prince is really a felonious frog or if that forwarded chain letter is really made of secondhand barbed wire. And it's super safe. Scamalot even has a three-tiered security protocol. Simply type in your mother's maiden name, the name of your first pet, and the last four digits of your social security number, then the first three digits of your social security number, and then the middle two digits. That's it. Easy peasy. Peace of mind is as easy as giving your mind to Scamalot. Scamalot is not an actual product. It is a product that the host wished somebody would invent very quickly because we really do need it, except for that very hard, complicated sign-in number thing. Yeah, so um, I think that's kind of it. I mean, I don't know if we need to talk about the ice fishing. I mean, ice yeah. fishing figures prominently in this, and I have to say it's the most passive hobby I've ever seen. Did you do some research into ice fishing that you'd like to share with us? Oh, what I, I thought I wanted to go in with a fresh perspective and just completely treat ice fishing as a hobby or pastime or pseudo sport just solely on what I saw in Grumpy Old Men. We did talk. So it's basically you have like a small shack that has a heater in it and all your amenities. And you just, you know, you yeah. saw a little hole in the ice and just stick a pole in there and hope for some fish to make a bad choice. You're not going to get your aerobic level up very high. That is for sure. But, you know, we did talk about having a, a segment about some of the least appealing and best appealing meals in the movie. Oh, right, right. Okay. Wasn't it odd that they never ate fish that they caught? No, they just used fish in other ways, right? As, as props and pranks, right? But... Yes. Yes. And that was fun. Yeah. That was, yeah, good fun. But... Seriously, they, he, Jack Lemmon made a point of only keeping the fish that he caught, that he could eat, that right. he could consume himself, whereas Walter Matthau just took every fish that he caught. That was Jack Lemmon's saving face. And this is a testament to those actors that way I have to refer to them as their actor actor names, not I. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole lot easier. I mean, that's how we think of them. But anyway, the, the, there were some unappealing meals. And, and poor Jack, of course, microwaving everything. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he had the typical, the hung, the lonely, lonely, hungry old man dinner mm -hmm. yeah, from Swanson. Until Melanie came to cook Thanksgiving dinner. And then when Kevin came to Walter Matthau's, his dad's house, to have Thanksgiving, they were microwaving it, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, because there was a ding. Yeah, so that is a real patriarchal view of a holiday meal. Yeah, and Anne Margaret kicks, uh, cooks Szechuan food for Jack Lemon despite his protest protestations. <laughs> yeah. 
And he liked it. I, I, I assume. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's basically, it is sort of solidifying a stereotype that um, older men cannot cook for themselves. Right? I guess so. So you think this movie would be made today? That You know, they're making a big deal out of how Hollywood is ignoring the older demographic at its peril. That there is this huge population of people over 50 who are begging for material that's aimed at them. Now we've got the Grace and Frankie and we have the movies uh, 80 for Brady and things like that that have come out. Um, but um, I mean, I want to I want to pitch that this movie would get made today. Yeah. And I think um, I think it'd be interesting because naturally you, you see this and you think like a reboot would have to be done with hotter, younger actors. Right. Because you're trying to think of like who is at this age that would be comfortable playing this age, right? Because if you had like Arnold and Sylvester, I don't think they would be comfortable playing older people straight up. I still feel like there's this tendency for older actors to, uh, like it's a weakness to play old or play their age, right? To play their actual age. I think they would have to do like like the Wilson brothers, you know, like a younger duo that would be playing older as opposed to an age appropriate actor playing that age is my your take on that how about grumpy old women or can you not put grumpy with the word woman i'm fine with it but i wouldn't trust what i'm comfortable with as terms of what would be appropriate um but grumpy old women now how is that not a thing right i don't know is that is it just more unappealing? I wonder if Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin decided to do grumpy old women as they've decided to do so many movies post Frank Grace and Frankie. I just wonder. I don't I just feel like women would have resolved their dispute or they would have moved away. They wouldn't stay living next to each other. Oh right, because I think that there's some there's some basic stereotypical gender qualities that would make like you're saying like a grumpy old woman they would have sorted their shit out and there wouldn't have been that tension between them. There may be other tensions, right? But then they'd be talked out. And yeah, but I think what makes grumpy old men work is just the the simmering lack of communication that allows two lives to fester for decades. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people watch this? It's hard to find. Yeah, I had to rent it from Prime. I didn't see it on any of my streaming services, but it does seem like it's available to rent on Prime. Um, I think on Apple, you could rent it or buy it. I didn't go for the buying. But yeah, as of now, as of this airing, it does seem like it is, is a rent or buy. Excellent. So on the, we haven't really come up with a scale, over easy, sunny side up. Oh, yeah. It's cold sculpting. Right, right. Okay, for surgical procedures, is that what we're going for next? I don't know if we should do plastic surgery procedures as a Wait, okay, so what is like We don't have one. We don't have a real scale, you, you know, unilateral like for how we any like Any movie. Yeah. Oh, but I mean for for our general appreciation of this movie. Is that what you're going for not a specific? Yeah, some something that we uh, like a, a scale that we will use regardless of the film the genre, et cetera. So in other words, the Siskel and Ebert, one thumb up, two thumbs up, one thumb down. It's yeah. like, I, I'm too meta, meta, meta. You know, I can't do a thumb up or thumb down on this. I, 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 or I am a thumb up on this. Fingers, digits. Yeah. I mean, if we don't want to go plastic, you know, there's hair dye. Would we just be natural with this because it's comfortable and authentic? Sure. 
we wouldn't Grecian formula this one. Yeah, I don't know. I think we can just say I liked it. I recommend I would recommend this movie to really anybody, anybody with a grumpy old grandfather. So that's younger kids, younger people. But I think older people really enjoy this and will identify. Oh, they'll know somebody who is like one of these two guys. Well, and I think this is probably one of those unique movies where I think it could be a multi-generational viewing experience because it does have a little bit, I mean, it doesn't quite go National Lampoon, right? But I think that there's sort of like a pseudo edgy, you know, 90s, late 80s zing to it that I think would appeal to younger people and then older people would relate to some of the themes. So yeah, I think it could be something like that. Like you could have your grandson and watch this with your grandson when, you know, and give your grandson food that your family wouldn't, you know, want him to have. Right. So I think it could be something like a touching movie day for grandparents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and while the strike is still happening, this is supposed to be, this is supposed to be our relevant industry update segment towards the (laughs) end of, You know, there's so much stuff to watch. You don't need new streaming series. Catch up on all these great old movies. Exactly. Then you'll you'll realize how they inform all the stuff you've been suffering through. Plus, I think as you were mentioning, as far as the need for movies that create an authentic older experience, it's just I think there comes a certain time where it's it's hard to like steal up the the energy and interest to watch like Emily in Paris season three or whatever, or like watching these things, or if you're, you're watching young people do these dumb, shallow things constantly and we're supposed to care. And then they're like planning their suicides because they're going to turn 30 next week and all this stuff. And it's just so hard to pretend that that's interesting. Right. I completely agree. It's not that we don't want to know those things are out there, but please let's get some programming for us. Right. Give actresses other than Kim Cattrall a, a chance, right? Or, you know, there's, there's several other actresses that could play those characters. Yes, exactly. So have you made any discoveries this past weeks that have made your life better? Oh, like a mole or something? Is that a mole making your life better? Well, it's probably good that I saw it, right? It might make my life longer mm. if I identify those things. If it's a strange shape. That's the thing. But for me, it's like whenever I see them, they all look strange, right? They're not supposed to be there. Like, what is a a regular? I mean, it just looks like, hey, you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Get away now. And they're always, it's like looking for ticks, right? You need, it needs to, you need to have a partner, but you don't want to have your partner have to do that, right? No. It's a mystery, right? It's, it is a mystery. I didn't have any really great things that happened. Do you mean like things like to your person or relating to movies or things that you've watched or? Just anything. We talked about having various segments to open the show and segments to close the show. And one of the segments to close the show is, you know, anything we wanted to share to ma- that has made our lives better that we've discovered that we want to share. And so that's why I was questioning your mole. But <laughs> yeah, right. I don't mean make people them checking their moles. That's good. Yeah. I don't you know. Mean, yeah. My adult son moved out last week. And that was something because you always think these huge milestones will like, you know, the clouds will part and it's, you know, that there's going to be a, a, a significant thing. But it seems like most of the milestones in life just sort of like, like you see them through the rearview mirror, like you kind of realize, oh, like that was the last diaper I changed or oh, that was my son moving out because it right. 
least for me, it, it never seems like, you know, the music doesn't swell and then you have that talk. Um, it just sort of happens. You're like, oh, okay. But it is interesting. But yeah, with, without, without the sun there, I, you know, my house doesn't smell like vape, which oh. is nice. So that's a plus. Um, but it is very quiet. So that's something I have to get used to the the quietude of the empty nest. Yeah. And I think for, for my, my thing that is something I've just not just discovered, but it's related to what you're saying about your son moving out. Are we allowed to say his name? Can't remember. Yeah. His name is Rue. <laughs> his name is Rue. They're all, everything is Rue. Okay. The idea of things that you think are going to be life-changing or some sort of great milestone. People have talked about this, you know, winning the Pulitzer Prize. The day after they win the Pulitzer Prize, they still got to start all over again with the next book or uh, magnum opus or something. And, you know, you just uh, being comfortable with that. That's been great to learn. Yeah. And that's huge. And I, I, I hope at some point before my untimely passing, I will capture that as that important lesson that the process is what it's all about, not the end point. That's been very hard for me to just luxuriate in the ambiguity of the creative process as opposed to get really fixated on the goal. And how long have we been at this and still trying to learn this lesson? Freaking forever. At least 42 years in my case. Uh, while, 44 years, 45 years that I decided I wanted to be a creative person. Right. You know, so anyway, I guess that's it for this week till the next movie of an uncertain age. Mm -hmm. And we will uh, be, I'll be doing the movie the next week and I'll tell you what that is when I see you. Nice. Bye. Bye. Do you feel lucky? That's all. Come on up and see me sometime.